The message you're about to listen to is a recording from God's favorite house. It is our prayer that you listen, your life will be transformed, and you will be taken to greater heights in your walk with Jesus. Amen. God bless you as you listen to this message. Hallelujah. Okay, so um, before we go into today's teaching, I just want to do a brief recap very, very quickly. I'll do it as fast as I can, so you need to be in a hurry to catch up, uh, but it's going to be popping up on the screen. I'll do a very brief rundown of the last five uh, parts of the teachings on words to live by that we have been learning. In part one, which was more like introduction, uh, Pastor taught us that the four, one of the first things he said was that there are about 8,000 promises, at least rather, 8,000 promises of God in the entire Bible. And uh, all these promises, uh, the way they get activated in our lives is that they, are, they get activated via the Holy Spirit. You know, uh, and uh, we talked about four ways that the Holy Spirit can help us to activate these promises. And the first one was that the Holy Spirit will connect us to God's presence. Secondly, we talked about the Holy Spirit is the one that will teach us how to know God. We can't know God the way we want to know God. We have to know God the way God wants us to know him. Uh, the third thing we talked about in the uh, very first session was that the Holy Spirit will help us in our walk with God. And finally, the Holy Spirit will convict us of our need for God. The second part um, second part was taken by me, and we learned three things. We, we, we said, for, uh, for starters, that Jesus wants us, everything that we're doing, Jesus wants us to be fruitful. If we are not fruitful, we're not fulfilling purpose. Jesus wants us to be fruitful. Then secondly, Jesus wants to cleanse us. We are filthy, and Jesus wants us to be clean, and he wants to do the cleansing. Thirdly, we also learned that Jesus wants us to trust him to lead us home. Praise God. In part three, we talked about giving. Then we talked about the rewards of being generous, the rewards of generosity. Uh, and, and when we talked about this, we, we shared, uh, I think, nine rewards of generosity. And we, I mean, I'll run them very quickly. Is that God promises good things to us if we are generous. Secondly, God promises my children will be blessed when we are generous. Again, when we are generous, God promises he will bless our work and our business. When we are generous, God promises that we, he will make us happier. So if you want to be happy, be generous. Fifth thing is that God says that when we are generous, he will increase our influence. Sixth thing, he says when we are generous, we will end up with more. Seventh thing, when we are generous, God will meet all our needs. When we are generous, he will multiply what he has given to us. And finally, he said, we, we learned that when we are generous, our giving, all the things that we are giving is actually being stored up in heaven. Part four, we talked about the future. And we learned about six guarantees about the future. Number one is that God guides us when we are confused uh, secondly, God helps us when we are tempted, so we are never left alone. 
number four, three is that God supports us when we are in trouble. Fourth, God repays everyone that hurts us. The fifth one is that God rewards our service and our generosity. The sixth one that we learned in part four was that God will keep us safe until heaven. And last week, we dealt about peace. About peace. He says we need to have peace with God. For us to enjoy peace, rather, we need to have peace with God. For us to enjoy peace, we must get rest for our body. For us to have peace, we must make peace with people. The people around us, we must make peace with them. For us to enjoy peace, we need to tell God what we need. And finally, we learn that for us to have peace, we must keep our thoughts on Jesus. Hallelujah. Today, I want to start with a story. You know, there was this soldier that was on the battlefield, was on the front line. And it so happened that he had been, um, all the other people in his battalion or his squad, they had been taken out by the enemy. And he was on the run. He was on the run. And as he was running, you know, when you don't have anybody, any other people, person to fall uh, back on or to rely on or to depend on. One of the strategies is to just go and find a way to hide so that the enemy will go. Hallelujah. So this guy was running. The enemy were chasing him. They were pursuing him. And he suddenly got to a place that was like a cave, like a hideout. And he thought and said, oh, let me run inside this cave and see maybe they will not see me. And he ran inside. And he was praying as he was running inside, like, God, let these enemies, let them not find me here. Let them not locate me. And he, he hid inside. And the, the, the enemy kept coming because as they were coming, he was hearing their sound, the sound of their armory, the sound of their tanks. The, they, they were moving closer and closer. And he, he hid himself quietly, as quietly as he can. And he was praying to God in his mind, God, I need your help. Save me. Deliver me from these enemies. Don't let them find me. Because if they do, they will take him out. He was a gunner. And he was expecting, as we all would, you know, probably expecting maybe thunder to just strike all the enemies or something and take them out all completely. Or maybe uh, he should just get reinforcements from his own team and they come and just attack all the enemies, then he can come out safe. I mean, those are, when we're praying at times, that's how we pray. Because we predetermine and tell God how we expect God to answer our prayers. But while he was praying, in the middle of all that chaos, he just saw a spider. A tiny, feeble, weak, inconsequential spider. And was like, I'm asking for God to help me. I'm asking for answers to my prayer. I need deliverance. All I can see right now is just a spider. And he didn't understand, but he kept praying in his mind, God, don't let these people find me. Don't let these people see me. And before he knew it, the spider just began to spin his, its web and began to spin its web, you know, spinning its web. And he, he couldn't understand what was going on. But the spider just continued and continued. As the spider was continued, he kept hearing the enemy getting closer and closer and closer and closer. At a point, they got to the entrance of the cave where he was. 
And he was like, okay. God has decided not to answer his prayers. It's time up. But as a true soldier that he is, he's going to go down fighting. He's not going to die crying or begging. So he sat up, brought out the last the gun he had and loaded it with the last bullets and pointed it at the entrance like, okay, I'm ready to open fire. But the spider kept doing its work. It just kept spinning the web and spinning the web across the entrance. And as the enemy got to the front of the cave, they said, someone, he heard one of them say, he must have run into this cave. And they said, let's go and check. And as they got to the entrance of the cave, one of them just said, don't worry. He cannot be in this cave. Because if he went through, the spider web would have been broken. And that's how they turned back. And he was saved. Why? What's the object of this story? Is that we're talking about purpose. We're talking about purpose. The purpose of that spider being in that cave at that time was to save that soldier. Even though it appeared like a weak creature, like an inconsequential creature, like a non-importance spider web. But God that created it, created it, not only created it, created it at that time. Not only created it at that time, but created it in that place for that particular purpose. Hallelujah. I'll read today's text, 1 Chronicles 12, 12 to 26. It's a bit lengthy, but just follow me as we read. 1 Chronicles 12, 12 to 26. It says, the human, the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews. Some are Gentiles. Some are slaves and some are free. But we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit. And we all share the same spirit. Yes, the body has many different parts. Not just one part. If the foot says, I am not a part of the body. Because I am not a hand. That does not make it any less a part of the body. And if the air says, I am not a part of the body because I am not a hand, that does not make it any less a part of the body. And if the air, and if the air says, I am not a part of the body because I am not an eye, would that, make any, would that make it any less a part of the body? If the old body were an eye, how would you hear? If your old body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts. And God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it had only one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary and the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen. While the more honorable parts do not require this special care. So God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to, these, to those parts that have less dignity. 
This makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, honored, all the parts are glad. May the Lord bless the reading and the airing of his word in the mighty name of Jesus. You see, the entire world is created by God. And every little creature, every being, every human being on the face of the earth is created with a purpose. There is no ambiguity with God. There is no mistake with God. There is no, oh, I shouldn't have done that, or it was not necessary. With God, there is no surplus with God like that. I mean, in terms of uh, wastage, with God, no. Everything that God created was created for a purpose, for a purpose. When we don't understand our purpose and we're not living in purpose, we, we, we are a people that lacks hope. We're people that are clueless. We don't know what's going on. We, 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 we are confused. And that state of being without hope, that state of confusion, doesn't allow us to fulfill purpose. Doesn't allow us to fulfill purpose. We are always looking for hope in search of hope. Um, the political scene in Nigeria in the last couple of months has been agog with the people that call themselves the obedience. And INEX says that the amount of people that are registering for PVCs is unprecedented, as in the amount that throngs every INEC office wherever they are. You know, I, I had a young man I was trying to encourage to go and get a PVC where I live. And he finally took, it up, took up the challenge. He got to the INX center as early as 5.30 in the morning. He left at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, and he had not even gotten to the point where he could write his name down. That was how bad it was. Now, I'm not saying that to scare those of you that have not registered. Go and get your PVC. Very important. You know, like I said a few weeks ago, we may get to the point now that we'll just stand some people at the gate there and like, if you don't come in with your PVC, you can't enter service. Just, maybe you go and do online. Even online, self, maybe we'll block your IP address. <laughs> That's a joke. Hallelujah. But my point is that why, why is there so much hype? Why is there so much um, sudden interest in becoming, uh, getting involved in an electoral process amongst the so-called youths of Nigeria? It's simply because the person they are following, the Peter Obi, appears to represent hope for a new Nigeria. I'm not standing here to campaign for him, but I'm saying that he appears to represent something like hope for a new Nigeria. So majority of people that have not been voting in the past, that don't have a PVC, what they've been saying is that why should I bother to vote? There's no difference between the two major political parties. You can see the way they keep jumping from one party to the other. So anywhere I vote, it's still the same thing we're going to get. But all of a sudden, now we have a third option. And people are getting interested. Anytime hope is gingered in that way, what follows hope is an interest in pursuing purpose. 
So all the people that are chasing and going after their PVCs and the likes right now, what they are trying to say is that I want to fulfill my purpose. I want to see what I can do to contribute to this thought force agenda, to this obedient agenda. That's what they're trying to say. So when we have hope, then we have purpose. So when God was creating the, creating the whole world, like I said earlier, he did not create anybody for, as an extra tire or as a spare wheel. We were all created for purpose, to fulfill the big picture. We were all created to fulfill the big picture, uh, to be part of the big picture, which is salvation, which is not only salvation, but salvation for the generation now and the generation to come. Hallelujah. So what that tells me is that nobody in the body of Christ is a nobody. Everybody in the body of Christ is important. Everybody is important. Even the scriptures we just read now actually emphasizes it over and over. It says, how can the ear say it's not part of the body because it's not the mouth? How can the mouth say it's not interested in being part of the body because it's not the leg? And on and on, it explained it in details. So there's no body, is a no, there's no body in the body of Christ that is not somebody. Hallelujah. So today, very quickly, we'll just talk about three reasons why each part... Because we are all part of the body of Christ. Today we'll just talk about three reasons why each part of the body of Christ is important. Why are you important in the body of Christ? If you have been created by God and there's a purpose for your creation. So why are you important? Hallelujah. So the first one says that you are important because you are a part of the body of Christ. You are important because you are a part of the body of Christ. The human, I'll read verse 12 to 14 again. It says, the human body has many parts. But the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews. Some are Gentiles. Some are slaves. And some are free. Let's stop here. You know, I was saying in the first service that, that was a couple of weeks ago, there was this young man that I met. He was asking me to be like his mentor, you know. And I, I asked him to introduce himself. And as he started, he said, oh, my name is Ado John Sule. You know that name, right? Ah, all these people are new generation. If you wrote Common Entrance during my own time, that's always the name. Pastor Bolaji, you know, right? Ado John Sule. <laughs> you don't get it. Oh, forget about it. Hallelujah. So the man said, okay, my name is Ado John Sule, and I'm from Imo State. And I paused him. I said, why did you tell me that? And he looked at me. He said, I, but I'm from Imo State. I said, but why did you tell me? How is that important to this, our discussion? Hallelujah. How is that important to this, our discussion? Why do I care whether you are from Bayelsa or you are from Yenegua or you are from Adamawa? How is that important to me? Did you have a say in where you are coming, where, where, which state you are from? When God was sending you to this world, did God call you and say, okay, where do you choose where you want to go? Uh, do you want to be Lagosian or you want to be from Ekiti, where they collect 10,000 naira to vote? 
Before you start getting upset with me, I'm from Ikiti. But I didn't collect 10,000. Hallelujah. My point. Why is that important in any discussion that we are having? It's not. Because the scripture is saying here that some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free. But we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit. That's what's important, that we are all, all been baptized into God. We are all followers of God. We are all children of God. Why should you be telling me where you, the state you are from? How is that important to the, to the discussion? Why is it important to me that you are a, a black man or a white man? It shouldn't be. Because it's inconsequential to who you are. There are good people from Ekiti State. There are bad people from Ekiti State. There are good people from Lagos State, from Yenegua, and there are bad people from both. It's, it's inconsequential. Someone has said that part of the problem of this country is the fact that anytime we are having any form of engagement with each other, or maybe we have to fill forms, you want to get your driver's license, you want to apply for birth certificate, you want to apply for your PVC card, they always write it there, state of origin. Now, that is one of the problems that we have as a country. Because it in, inherently drums in our mind that we're not the same, that we're different. It tells us unconsciously that, oh, that person is different. And that's why even amongst people that you would say is the same culture, they still have the people they will say, that one is like this, this one is like, among the Yorubas, for example. They will say, ah, Ijecha people, ah, Oshomalo, you know what that means? Difficult to trade with. If you are doing business with them. The hard bargainers. They will say, oh, Ijebu people, ah, they are stingy. The same Yoruba people, oh, I was on the, <laughs> you know, uh, there's a lot of advocation that, oh, Nigeria should split, outside this, and da, 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 da. And I'm like, where does it end? I keep asking, where does it end? I was on a flight to Abuja one day. I was on a flight to Abuja, and the people sitting beside me, two, two of them, they carried a file. They were going to Abuja to make a justification why Ogun State, Ogun State should be split into two states. Amongst Yorubas. They were, and they were deliberating. Oh, this is what we're going to say. This is how we're going to say it. And I was looking at them. Ah. Okay, so when eventually every street will become a state. The way we're going. If we think separation is the way to go. In the eyes of God, none is superior to the other. We have all been baptized by one spirit in, in, to, in God. Hallelujah. The, the the things that may be like um, distinguishes us from each other is actually created deliberately by God so that we can use that same thing to complement each other. We can use it to complement each other. Have you always noticed that people, two people, man, husband, man and woman, that have the same character, when they marry, the same character, when they marry, it's a disaster. 
if you have a man and a woman and they are both talkatives, let them marry. You will hear when. Or you have a man and a woman. They are both very quiet. Let them marry. They will scatter. Even though they don't talk, it will scatter. The, the things that we see as making us different is actually created by God to actually unify us and make us be able to complement each other. But the enemy comes and perpetually tells us that because we are different, we should separate. No, because we are different, we should actually complement each other. <laughs> Hallelujah. I gave an example in, in, in the first service that, I mean, a lot of people don't know. I've known Pastor Femi since when I was in Form 3. That's about 35 years ago, thereabout, that I've known Pastor Femi. Even before we... We, we, were, we were both in secondary school then. Before we even became, before we gave our lives to Christ. We, I mean, we were both in different Jai Jai worlds. You know, but I'd known him since 35 years ago. Up till, un, until about, I think it was two years ago, we were just having an innocent discussion, just generally talking about some things. I can't even remember what it was. I never knew where he came from in Nigeria. I never knew. Okay, let's even assume, okay, we're children, then blah, blah, blah. I've been a pastor in this church for God, how many years? I never knew. Because why? It's not important. It's not important. How many of you know where he's from? The state Pastor Femi is from? Raise up your hand. Let me know. See how few you are. How many of you consistently, anytime he preaches or he's praying, how many of you get blessed? Let me see your hands up. See. Is the state important? But the enemy keeps telling us, oh, that's how they separate us. Oh, leave those Yoruba people. Leave those Igbo people. Those Hausa people. Or those Igbira people. Or those... Uh... God is saying, we are important, every one of us, because we are part of the body of Christ. Hallelujah. Second reason why we are important is because we are different. And we must recognize that difference. We are all different. 15 to, verse 15 to 20, I'll read it again. It says, if the foot says, I am not a part of the body because I am not a hand, that does not make it any less a part of the body. And if the air says, I am not a part of the body because I am not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you air? If your whole body were an air, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts. And God has put each part just where he wants it. Did you hear that? Just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it had only one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. Hallelujah. This is so key because, you, you, you know, um, let's go to the business world, for example. You know, there's a lot of, people have said in time past that, oh, why is it that Nigerian businesses, they're never transgenerational. Once one owner dies or something, just 
I mean, hardly do you see businesses that continues 100 years, 150 years, you know? Hardly. Why? One of the biggest challenges that we have in Nigeria is the, 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 what, they, what they keep selling to us about entrepreneurship. Everybody has been told at one point in time or the other that even if you are working, you cannot work forever. You must go and do your own something. Who says? Yes, it's okay to be independent. But who says independence means running your own business? If everybody's running his own business, who are you going to employ? No, stop, let's stop and think about it. I'm not against being an entrepreneur. I'm an entrepreneur. And I used to be in the corporate world. Don't get me wrong. I'm saying that. Stop and think. If it is not your purpose, if it is not what God has called you to, don't go and be a square peg in a round hole. Because you will not function properly. It's common in Nigeria where you have maybe a small entrepreneur. I used an example in the first service. Say a, a small entrepreneur that maybe has an ice cream business. And employs two young guys or two young, two young people to work to help her in production. Help the person probably also in um, sales or whatever it is that they do. And within six months or one year of the employees being there, they resign or just walk away from the business and go and start their own ice cream business. It's common in Nigeria, right? Who says that's your calling? Who says that's what God wants you to do? Who says that's what your purpose on earth is? Who says or how do you know that your purpose is not for you to remain in that company and be that person's, that owner's number two, even till you retire. Who says? I'll give you a story of someone. There's a man called Steve Bauma. Steve Bauma. You can Google him later on. Steve Bauma is an American. He's presently what, as at this morning when I checked on Forbes, he's presently worth $92 billion. He's presently ranked as the ninth richest person in the world. Are you getting me? $92 billion. He's presently ranked ninth richest person in the world. He's the owner of Los Angeles Clippers. It's an NBA franchise. Big boy by all standards. How did he make his money? He was an employee of Bill Gates in Microsoft. He retired from Microsoft 14 years ago. An employee. Now, before he became, I mean, before he retired, he got to the point of, no, he retired 2014. So that's not 14 years ago, 2014. Before he became, before he retired, he served, I think, for about nine years as the CEO of Microsoft, still as an employee. Before his entire life, he spent about 35 years working in Microsoft. You can Google him, Steve Bauma, that's his name. Now imagine if Steve Bauma was a Nigerian. How many years ago would he have resigned to go and form his own, he won't call him Microsoft, he will call it Macrosoft. 
You will say, oh, I should be, it's not to just write software. Uh -uh. Now we they run these towns. I know this business. Let me, let me do my own. I, I can't serve Bill Gates till I die now. Now only he gets, now only he's supposed to make money. That's the mentality. But if it is not his calling, he would have ended up just being another Lagbaja technologist and would have been derailed. But he understood his purpose. He stood there. He entered Microsoft as an ordinary business manager and rose to become the CEO, the, number, the, the key decision maker. So that when, even when Bill Gates left Microsoft for a season, he was the one running the show. But he understood his purpose, that my purpose is to support this business. My purpose in life is to, to be useful to this organization, not necessarily to go and start my own, not like he does not know how to start his own, but that was his purpose, and he stood there and stuck there. And what's his reward? He's the ninth richest person in the world. If I'm the 1,000th richest person in the world, me, I'm all right, though. 10,000. I'm all right. He's the ninth richest person in the world as an employee. As an employee. An employee means that Bill Gates can still stand up and sack him. An employee means that he still gets to the office and says, Good morning, sir. Eh? He will still wait for a particular day for salary. God bless you. He will still, once in a year, probably go and sit down with him and negotiate salary increment. The things that, <laughs> you know, purpose, purpose, he remained focused. He understood the reason for his existence and he stuck there. And of course, he was being rewarded. Unlike what we see in Nigeria consistently, we think, we think everybody should be an entrepreneur. No, it doesn't have to be that way doesn't have to be that way. And the fact that you, 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 you choose to serve someone as a life purpose does not mean that you, 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 doesn't make you useless. It actually just means that that is your purpose. Remember the story we started out with the spider. Imagine the spider thinking himself as just being feeble. Be, seeing himself as just throwing cobwebs that are not strong enough. But that was his purpose. If the spider had said, I beg, I know they spin any web today, they, I'm, I'm strolling away. What would have happened to that soldier? His life would have been wasted. Purpose. Purpose. Very important. Hallelujah. We are expected, when we see the differences, the things about that, 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 that makes us different, we are expected to identify and find ways to celebrate such things. We are expected to see those things and, make, and collaborate, find ways where we can be of use to each other. Think about it, for him to have worked in Microsoft for 35 years, he must have been filling a gap in the life of Bill Gates and the business that Bill Gates could not fill himself. And he saw it. So you have to ask yourself, what's your own purpose? Who probably, who are you designed to be the one supporting? Who are you supposed to be supporting right now to fulfill the purpose of God in your life? Can the AI say it is not important? It wants to be air. Or the air say it is not important. It wants to be the mouth. No. 
How many of us know the story of a guy called Kunta Kinte? Kunta Kinte. All right, we know Kunta Kinte. Kunta Kinte was a slave taken from Africa to the U.S. way back then. What's important about this story is the fact that he was identified as a runner. A runner means slaves that just, even though they know they have been captured and they have been enslaved, but they want to escape. So they're always planning and saying, I'm going to run back home. I'm going to run back. Because, you know, they traveled for so long, they don't even know where they are. They, don't, they, didn't even, they lost sense of direction. They don't even know where, where the land they are in. They just know that they are standing on soil. So they just want to keep running, and one day, hopefully, they will get back home. So Kuntakinte will wake up and run. will wake up and run. They will catch him. They will bring him back. They will flog him. How were they able to stop him? All they needed to do to make him stop running was that they cut off his big toes. Just his two big toes. I was giving an example in the morning that as you are walking, as I'm walking right now, how many of us think about our toes when we are walking? I mean, I'm not talking about the women. I know you people have done pedicure. So you are thinking about it, how good it looks. And they all, good, they, they all look good. Praise the Lord. But when you're walking, how many of you actually think about your toes when you're walking? Do you know that without your toes, you can't run again? They don't even need to cut everything. Just the big toe. Boom. No more running. Crip, technically crippled from running. And that's what they did for him. So just imagine the big toe looking at the entire body and say, I'm not important, Joe. Take me off. How, you, how useless it makes the entire body from functioning properly. And we can go on and on. Is it your thumb? Cut off the thumb and you can't hold anything again. The whole body was created to work together. As I'm talking right now, blood is moving through my body. It's going through my heart and going around my body. I, I did a quick Google. I'm not a doc, medical doctor. I just did a quick Google search yesterday. I said, how fast does it take for blood to even go around the entire body? As in, if it moves from the heart. Where's the heart? Is it here? I don't even know. I think it's here. Is it here? Yeah, okay, good. The size on the left. So how fast is it for the blood to move from the earth, go around and come back again? It takes one minute, one minute for the blood to just go entirely round. Just imagine if your blood says, I beg, I'm running too much, I'm not going again. Because nobody sees me. Nobody knows that I'm walking. Or, the, or, the, or your liver says, oh, I'm not important. Nobody even feels what's happening inside. All the yeah, 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 food that they are drinking and eating. I'm the one filtering the entire process and nobody even says thank you. I'm not functioning again. Guess what will happen? That's how important every part of the body is. So you, are, you may be looking at yourself today and asking yourself, of what use am I to the church? Of what use am I to my congregation? Of what use am I to my office? Of what use am I to my family? Of what use am I to my community? There's nobody that is a nobody in the body of Christ. You have all been created for a purpose. That purpose may not be the, what is popular or what is, uh, uh, what is common, but you have been created for a purpose. 
please bring up the graph, graphics for the, 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 that graphics. Glory be to God. Those of you that are football fans, I'm sure you know most of these clubs. That first one is Fulham Football Club. Second one is Southampton, Everton, Man City, Celtic, and Rangers Football Club. Do you know what is common with all these clubs? What is common amongst all of them? All these clubs were created from the church. All of them. Google it. Google is your friend. All these clubs, every single one of them were created from inside the church. The one that even surprised me the most is Fulham Football Club. It wasn't even the church that created it like that. It was some group of people that would come every Sunday to attend Sunday school. And when they are done with Sunday school, they will say, come, let's play football together. That's how they formed Fulham Football Club from Sunday school attendees. Celtic was created by the Catholic Church in, in Scotland. When the Catholic Church created their own, the Protestants in Scotland said, ah, we too, we have to create our own. They created Rangers. Till tomorrow, the two of them are still number one and number two in the league in Scotland. And this was like 160, 170 years ago. So they were in church, the people that formed this, that created all of this. You can take the graphics away. They were in church regular, like regular people. And saying to themselves, maybe I'm not fit inside this church because I don't know how to preach. Or maybe I'm not important in this place because I can't join the choir. I don't have good voice. Or maybe I'm not fit because I don't know how to pray. All I can do is football and I'm not important. Let me just walk away. All of these clubs would not have existed. But they realized and said, okay, no, I'm a Christian. That's the most important thing. I've been baptized into the body of Christ. And I am here to fulfill a purpose. And they exercised that, 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 thing, that thing inside of that skills that they had. And they came up and created something that 160, 170 years after, in a few months now, all of us, in, in a few weeks rather, all of us will start wearing their jerseys up and down when the season starts. So question you need to ask yourself is, what is that thing peculiar about you that could be showing you what your purpose is? That could be telling you, this is what you are supposed to be doing. This is what you should be doing in the house of God, in your community, in your, in your office. What is that thing that you are supposed to be doing? Hallelujah. Number three thing that is important. Number three reason why we, the third reason why we are all important, why each part is important, is because we all need each other. We all need each other. We are important because we need each other. Nobody is created to remain in isolation. Nobody is created to exist on his own. God has given each one of us purpose that interconnects us. 
when they were playing as, uh, after their Sunday school, if all, everybody said, no, 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 I want to be the goalkeeper, that probably would have been the end of that thing because they would end up fighting to be a goalkeeper. But they must have realized that, look, let's distribute this role so that we can start a proper thing. We all need each other. Every part of the body is absolutely important. We all need each other. The entire world is created for us to coexist, for us to collaborate, for us not to compete with each other, but rather to complete each other. We need to understand this need. I need you, you need me. And when one of us at any point is missing in the place of our purpose, it makes every one of us to dysfunction. If the toe, the big toe is missing, the entire body begins to, 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 to be in this dysfunction. If the, if the eye cannot see, the entire body cannot move around freely anymore. So we need each other to fulfill purpose. And above all, as I round up, while we need each other, while we, I mean, the three reasons why each part is important, number one is that we are important because we are a part of the body of Christ. We're important because we, we, we are all uniquely different and again, because we need each other. There's one thing that unites all of us to fulfill purpose. And that is the fact that we all need God to fulfill purpose. To be able to function as we are designed to function, we can't do it on our own. We need God to function the way we are destined to function. So on that note, I want to ask that all heads bowed. If you know that you do not have God, you know that you, do, you are not saved. And you want to make that decision today. It's a very easy call. Very easy decision to make. All you need to do is to raise up your hand wherever you are and accept a card. I will count one, two, three. And on the count of three, I want to ask you and encourage you. Just raise up your hand, receive a card, and put it down. Because it's very critical for you to fulfill purpose. If you do not fulfill your purpose, you are injuring me. You are injuring your family. You are injuring the people around you. Every one of us will fulfill purpose in the mighty name of Jesus. So if you are here, you want to give your life to Christ. You know you are not saved. Now is the opportunity. And I count one, two, three. Raise up your hand wherever you are. Receive the card. And that's it. That's all you need to do. That's all you need to do. If you are raising it up, raise it up very well. God bless you as you do. Raise it up very well. Father, we just want to thank you. We are very, very grateful. Thank you for another opportunity to share your word. Thank you for your children. That's, I've heard your word. Lord, we are eternally grateful. Accept our thanks in the name of Jesus. As many as have decided are taking a call to take this call to begin to walk with you, Father, draw them near to you in the name of Jesus. Lord, every one of us that has heard this word, 
Help us to fulfill purpose. And let your name be glorified. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen. Praise the Lord.